You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network. New shows every day. Find us at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from. It's playoff time. That means bigger stakes and bigger promotions. Every day of the basketball playoffs, DraftKings will have $20,000 in total cash prizes up for grabs. The best part? It's free to get your shot at these daily cash prizes. DraftKings will be offering two free-to-play pools every day of the NBA playoffs, offering players a free shot at $20,000 in total prizes. DraftKings free-to-play pools are easy to enter. Just download the DraftKings app, go to pools, and choose from a wide variety of free contests for an opportunity to win cash prizes. Download the top-rated DraftKings app now and use promo code THPN when you sign up to get your free shot at $20,000 in total prizes every day of the basketball playoffs. Head to DraftKings pool page to get your shot at huge cash prizes. That's promo code THPN for a limited time only at DraftKings. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Hello and good day, San Jose, and welcome to the Stick Hungry Podcast, your home of the San Jose Sharks on the Hockey Podcast Network. My name is Dylan Kayser. I'm joined by producer T in studio and producer Pigeon T. How are you doing today? I'm doing great, man. I've uh, been enjoying the weather. That we've had some really nice uh, sunny, sunny days here. So that we have. Yeah. Uh, you know, finally some uh, sunny days in a row yeah. for us up here in Vancouver Island. We've had a couple scattered throughout the last month or so, but uh, to have a few in a row is nice. Producer Pigeon, how are you doing today? It's hot. It's hot. It's hot, especially when you got all those feathers on you, right? There you go. It's, it's sizzling out there. It's sizzling. Uh, the season is over. That's it. It's yeah. That's a wrap, folks, on the season for the San Jose Sharks. Uh, we dropped our last game against the Vegas Golden Knights, and we got shut out. It was a perfect reflection of yeah. the entire season uh, for the exactly Sharks. That. Yeah, exactly that. Um, later on in the show, Nick, he's not here right now, but Nick will be joining us later in the show, and he's going to be joined by Shang Peng of San Jose Hockey now, and they're going to do a bit of a wrap-up of the season, and then next Sunday, we're going to do a proper stick-hungry wrap-up of the season. We're going to get Kyle McLaren on. We're gonna, I don't know how we're going to get him on. I'm going to we'll send a, I'm going to send an Uber down to California, pick him up, bring him up here in the studio, and we'll get it done. But uh, and we'll have Nick Floor on the next episode as well uh, to do a proper recap yeah. because it was a it was a terrible season. Let's yeah. be honest, yeah. but it deserves a recap at least. Yeah. Uh, let's uh, actually before we move on at all. Let's give a shout out to our Twitter handles. Yeah. You can follow myself at dyl underscore thpn. You can follow the show at Stick Hungry Pod, and you can follow the network, the Hockey Podcast Network, at Hockey Pod Net. Producer T. You can follow myself at producer underscore T. Producer P. Yeah, I mean, you smoke me once, you open up a yoga studio. <laughs> producer underscore Pigeon. Yeah, that guy, the guy didn't sound like he'd be someone that would be found in a yoga studio. You know, <laughs> Producer T's grumbling voice there. <laughs> Pre-yoga. Free yoga, yeah. Free yoga. But uh, yeah, the, the San Jose Sharks ending the season with a record of 21, 28, and 7. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, not very good. So 21 wins and 35 losses on this season, on this shortened uh, 56-game uh, season um, for the Sharks. Very appropriate sound clip there. The only positives, like I said, seventh best odds in the draft lottery. So, I mean, there is some optimism there with the draft coming up. It is yeah. it is a wild card draft, so this is a tough one to have a top 10 pick. But, hey, who knows? If we get a lottery pick and we can move up in the top two, that's uh, that could be a changing point for this organization. It's promising regardless. You bring in some young talent that's highly touted, whether it's, whether it's a weird draft or not. Whether it's a weird draft or not, and, you know, maybe with that seventh pick, let's say we pick at seven, Maybe you don't get a top-end guy, but maybe you can get a solid top-nine forward, or you can get a guy that's maybe a second, third uh, pairing defenseman. We need somebody. We just need, honestly, any young pieces coming into this organization right now is positives. Because if you look at high-end talent, there's not a lot there. You look at the prospect list, there's not a lot there. Exactly that. (laughs) Yeah, exactly that. I mean, the lack of depth has been an issue for this team for a couple of of years, and it's going to be... Um, one of the main things they'll have to address in this rebuild so that it doesn't go on and on and on because if you kind of if, if we don't get on top of it now it could be an, an issue you know where this rebuild turns into six seven years long you know and that's something we really want to try and avoid here and from everything we're hearing from you know management and players is they don't think that they're in a rebuild they they think that they can still compete they're not saying they're in a rebuild they're not well they're not yeah. saying they're in a rebuild but they're also not taking actions like they would be in a rebuild because they're in denial essentially yeah. right they don't think they're in a rebuild and it's true you're not in a rebuild you just have a bad hockey team right now. There's a difference. You can you can have a bad hockey team and be low in the standings and still not be doing a rebuild. And that's exactly what the San Jose Sharks have done this season. And that's exactly what they did last season. Yeah. Well, uh, when you have that much money on the books, what like what are you? You're either a good team going for it or you're in a complete cap mess. Exactly. And I mean, yeah. you know, people always make the excuse, oh, well, the Sharks can't do anything because they have... Carlson and Burns, you know what? I think that's a lame excuse. Doug Wilson's two more of the best defensemen in the league can't do shit. Doug Wilson's more than capable of going out there and moving some money around, making some trades. Even if we say we lose value on a Brent Burns trade, whatever it is, just get that money out there, flip the page, commit to a rebuild. That's what this team needs to do, and that's what they're not doing right now. And I hope it doesn't take another two, three seasons uh, before that they realize that they can't win with this core. I'm sorry, San Jose Sharks. Uh, fans, that's not going to happen. The the Thomas Hurdles and the Timo Myers, they're not going to bring us the cup. Great complimentary pieces. Logan Couture. Logan Couture. I mean, again, another great complimentary piece. But are those the guys at the helm of a team that's going to win the Stanley Cup? I don't believe so. Hey, when Nyquist left, it was game over. Gustav Nyquist <laughs> leaving was the worst thing to happen to this organization. <laughs> Um, but yeah, there's uh, we're, we're going to get into this a lot more in the off season here. We're going to get more into it uh, with Nick next week, yep. and I'm sure Nick and Shang uh, discussed it on uh, in their interviews uh, as well. Doubt, I'm sure they will. Yeah. Um, before we move on to, uh, or actually, you know what? Is this a good time to move on to uh, the Shang interview? Yeah, and then we afterwards, we can run down the uh, round one predictions. Uh, then we have a tea time and a draft draft lottery simulator. So uh, let's do a it. packed show here, folks. All right, let's get to it. Shang Peng from San Jose Hockey Now. And joining me today is someone we've had on the Stick Hungry podcast as a guest before. But, you know, I feel as though I owe him a, a more proper introduction. 
He is the editor-in-chief of San Jose Hockey Now and a beloved fan favorite, even though he has admitted to being an L.A. Kings fan in the past. Hailing from beautiful San Francisco in the Golden State of California, ladies and gentlemen, and all other walks of life, we bring to you Shang Pang. Shang, I know you just got your vaccine recently. How you feeling, man? Uh, pretty good. Uh, arm is tired, uh, but uh, I got my pregame nap. Just came out of a half-hour nap, so uh, ready to go here right now. Awesome. He's amped up. He's ready to ready to get this puppy started. We're going to do a little season recap. We're not going to get too in-depth with things and try to analytically break down every single bit of the Sharks' uh, well, underwhelming season necessarily, but we will be going over oh, a thank couple God. Yeah, you did enough pieces on that throughout the whole season. I think if anyone wants to find that out, they can always visit your website at San Jose Hockey Now and take a look at all the pieces throughout the year to kind of get a more in-depth realization as to what happened this season. But uh, just kind of starting it off, the Sharks ended the season with a record of 21-28-7, totaling 49 points, which I'm personally assuming was not the plan for Doug Wilson at the start of the year. Did this finish surprise you at all, or was this kind of around where you had expected them to land, given how uh, relatively quiet of an offseason the Sharks had? I think it depends on what you thought of the team going in. Uh, if you thought this team was basically the same team as 2019-20, as in you get to about the same performances, then of course this isn't shocking because uh, this record is pretty much in line with what they did uh, last year. And a lot of guys had down seasons this year like they had last year. And so I think it really just depends on your uh, perspective on that. That's true. I remember when we spoke about it in our little uh season preview we essentially said you know how many victories i think i asked you how many victories the sharks were going to get and then you asked if they were moral victories or not and uh <laughs> it's kind of funny because you know looking back there were a couple of games where they had quote unquote moral victories but they didn't really show up in the wind sh uh, the wind column on the stat sheet but you know they, they didn't really have that big of an off season and the young guys not a whole lot of the young guys actually stepped up to I guess NHL level of play some some did some didn't and that's when they were kind of left with their their 49 point season so while they may not have had the best year as necessarily a team there were a few couple you know a couple standout players there that held up their end of the deal for the Sharks one of them being Evander Kane he had a lot of off ice I guess controversy or issues kind of coming into this this season and he actually finished the season with 22 goals and 27 assists uh, totaling 49 points, which is the exact same amount of points that the Sharks had as an entire team. Uh, and he was also voted as the Sharks player of the year, but it wasn't by the fans. The votes were actually from the members of the media, including yourself. Can you give us kind of like a, a rundown of what made you decide on Evander Kane? And is his performance something you think he can repeat next year? I think the one word for Evander this year is consistency. And a couple of the players that had pretty good seasons or had pretty good uh, halves of seasons uh, might have been up for the award if they had been more consistent. Guys like Logan Couture was, you know, Logan Couture was great in the first half. And if it was a half season award, he would have won it. Uh, Tommy Hurdle was very strong in the second half of the season. But uh, obviously, uh, Couture dropped off in the second half and Hurdle struggled a little bit in the first half. Uh, Kane, except for the, I guess, the first few games when he was having that penalty trouble, uh, was uh, very, very consistent. And uh, one of the stats that underscores that consistency is uh, he went, the longest he went without a goal this season was five games. And that was, uh, that was a career best. 
uh, usually with Evander, uh, you've seen this in San Jose and other places, um, you know, he gets hot, he can carry the team for for a little bit, uh, but he also goes cold and he has eight game, 10 game, kind of long kind of slumps with, without without goals. And that didn't happen this year. And so if you're asking me if 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 uh, if this will be repeated next year, I usually don't don't uh, believe in that. So I see it as probably a one year thing. Uh, if he's you know, he has a he has a he has a, a pension for kind of these uh, longer slumps. And I feel I'll return next year. And so uh, what's going to happen probably is that he's as good a bet to score 20 goals uh, as anybody in the league. He has 20 goals in the last six seasons. And he's, uh, I think, the only three other players with uh, uh, with 20 plus goals in the last six seasons are uh, Ovechkin, uh, Marshan, and somebody else that I'm blanking on, but someone else really good. <laughs> yeah, but that's, that's uh, but good the company. long slumps, though, the long slumps that Evander has in season, though, um, that's what kind of keeps him at, at at a 20 goal as a 20 goal guy consistently. He's uh, hit 30 goals twice, but 30 straight. Uh, never, never, uh, never above that. And so those kind of long slumps he has in season kind of keep him as a 20 goal guy and not as a 30 goal guy. If he had kept this pace the whole season, I think his uh, goal total would have been like 32 or 33. Uh, and, and so I think he'll be hard pressed to kind of uh, do that in a full 82 game season next year. Uh, but we'll see. Yeah. And, you know, kind of uh, props to him for kind of going through what everyone has gone through with the Sharks and not necessarily having a consistent line mate either on that line with Hurdle. Um, he cycled between, uh, there was Balsers, there was, I believe Meyer was on that line for a little bit, and then now ending with Barabanov, that, which may have helped his point total with how great Barabanov played for the Sharks towards the uh, latter half of the year. But yeah, um, consistency and availability, I think, was one of the biggest things as well. He played all 56 games for the Sharks. Uh, Couture was very obviously dealing with something that, that sidelined him for those last couple of games, and then Hurdle obviously being out uh, with COVID for those two weeks. So... Uh, hats off to to Evander Kane for being able to stay consistent and win that uh, Player of the Year award from the media members, including yourself. Uh, but another one of those rewards, or sorry, awards, was Rookie of the Year, which was awarded to Nikolai Kanijov. And he was just a, a phenomenal surprise, especially from our perspective as, you know, just content creators and Sharks fans alike. He went from, you know, some people put him as, you know, maybe he'll be on the taxi squad just looking at the, the the shortened kind of conditioning time that they had to practice, to top four defensemen for the Sharks getting paired with the Vander, oh, sorry, not Vander Kane, Eric Carlson, and essentially taking Mark Edward Vlasic's job in what seemed like a matter of weeks from the beginning of the season. So, how crucial, in your opinion, was his play for the Sharks this year? Yes, they weren't that great of a team, but how crucial was his play? And how badly do the Sharks need more Kinejovs per se looking into the future? Uh, from their younger players. Oh, absolutely. I mean, every team could use a top four defenseman or top nine defenseman being paid the minimum and being able to play those kind of minutes. And so the emergence of a Mario Ferraro and a Kanijov last couple of years has been a godsend for the Sharks. I mean, imagine the Sharks teams and let's throw Ferraro in there. Let's say they didn't have Ferraro or Kanijov and you're throwing Vlasic out there. Vlasic who clearly lost a step this year. You know, Vlasic who uh, was put into the bottom pairing and, uh, you know, did not play his way out of that necessarily, even though he played a little better at the end of the season, but still uh, could not, didn't, didn't play his way out of the bottom pairing. And so uh, absolutely, absolutely critical. 
Uh, and hopefully the Sharks have another one uh, uh, of those guys up their sleeves. It is kind of funny. Every year with the Sharks, we talk about uh, they need forward depth. We talk about their young forwards. And the last two seasons, it's a young defenseman that really emerges as the best rookie. Yeah, that's uh, that would be huge if the Sharks could find a, a young forward, like you said, moving moving forward into next season to kind of take over that role as a young guy or a rookie who may step up into a bigger role than what was originally presumed. And that would be great for the forwards because, in my personal opinion, that's where they needed the most work. They got a lot of contributions uh, on the blue line from younger guys. They just kind of need that in the forward group moving forward. If you could vote, I know there was a most friendly to the media i believe was another reward or award as well as a top prospect which again you guys can all check that out on san jose hockey now and figure out who shang voted as top prospect for the sharks and uh just as a hint it isn't ryan merkley so that's a bit intriguing but if you could vote for a most underrated or most underappreciated award for a player this year who would you give it to and why Oh, let me clarify, though. Actually, uh, uh, the Sharks had four awards, uh, Player of the Year, Rookie of the Year, uh, Media Good Guy, and Prospect of the Year. Uh, We voted for the first three three awards. We didn't actually vote for Prospect of the Year. Prospect Mm -hmm. of the Year was voted on by Sharks management, so actually probably has a lot more weight than (laughs) than our vote. So, uh, so, yeah, it was Thomas Bortolo. I give it away. Everyone can see on the Sharks website. Uh, uh, Thomas Bortolo who who won it. It was not uh, Ryan Merkley. Um, So uh, that underscores uh, how strong a season uh, Bortolo had. But to answer the other question about the most uh, underappreciated, I'm going to go with another guy, and the question I ask is, you know, where would the Sharks have been without this guy? And uh, Dylan Gambrell, who didn't even have that good a season, really. I mean, let's let's be honest. I think he ended up with, like, I don't know, 13 points in a full season. Uh, not exactly what you're looking for offensively uh, from a third-line center. Um, but really, though, where would they have been without him? Because that kind of shows how little center depth this team had beyond uh, Hurdle and Couture. And we kind of saw when uh, Tommy was out with, uh, uh, with COVID for a couple weeks there, and uh, Gambrell was moved to second-line center. And... Again, he he wasn't great. You know, he really is a guy who should be a fourth line center. I've you know not the first time I've said it. And based on what Doug Wilson said in his exit interview a couple of days ago about the Sharks, you know, wanting to sign a third line center, kind of shows that the team thinks the same thing too. Uh, but it doesn't mean though that Gambrell can't be a very capable four C. And it doesn't mean that uh, Gambrell is a bad player by any means. Gambrell did a really good job defensively this year. Um, I think he held up his end of the bargain in terms of being a third-line center, except for he still needs to work on winning those face-offs. But I think for the most part, he did a pretty good job. He provided, uh, you know, competent-ish play, you know, in a role that was too big for him. And I think uh, I think you can say the same thing about Leo you know, Knizhov too, maybe, you know, where Knizhov maybe isn't a top-four defenseman on a playoff team or on a really strong team. But Kanijov certainly provided competent-ish play uh, for, you know, the elevated role he was given. And, he, of course, he's received a lot of kudos for that. And I don't think Gambrell has received enough for kind of at least, uh, you know, it's not uh, exciting. It's not sexy. But, you know, basically uh, being able to kind of uh, hold the line for, for the Sharks to just, you know, keep, keep things afloat for, for the Sharks in that role. And uh, hopefully next year uh, they add a, a different centerman. Uh, so that centerman can take on more of the 3C role and slide a Gambrel down more to the 4C role, which is, I think, where, where he 
belongs, and I think uh, I think that we'll see more uh, consistently positive play from him if you put him in the the right place. So looking at some team stats that were a bit lackluster this season, you know, for the Sharks, you, people can't help but notice essentially how abysmal the power play was. Uh, the Sharks' power play was one of the worst we've seen in recent history at 29th in the NHL out of 31 teams and only at a 14.1% success rate. With the amount of talent and money, essentially, the Sharks have on the different power play units, why do you think the Sharks' power play was this bad? Was it too predictable? Did they not have enough like pure goal scorers to be able to score these goals? What do you think? I think it's a whole uh, mess of things. I mean, I think that a couple of your best players, uh, chiefly Brent Burns and Eric Carlson, may not be the Brent Burns and Eric Carlson that uh, we knew a couple of years ago, and that's a big part of it because a lot of their power play is based on those guys and what they do. Um, I think that the power play was in such a flux during the year, too. You know, we started the, the year with uh, Brent Burns at the Ovechkin spot and Eric Carlson uh, at, uh, on the top. But uh, Burns has never shown a uh, comfort in, in that spot, even going back a couple of years ago. They've, every year they try the same thing to start the season. They try Brent Burns there and they try to make it work. And uh, uh, with Eric Carlson at top, and it just uh, really hasn't uh, panned out. Um, and so uh, they, they split uh, Carlson and Burns, which is uh, what, what I thought might get the power play going, but the power play got worse. So it shows you what, what I know. Uh, but then what happens there, though, of course, this isn't the same team as uh, the 2018-19 team that, you know, 2018-19, you could split Burns and Carlson, and both of them both of them had great units still to work with. You know, whoever was the second unit defenseman in 2018-19 still had, you know, Joe Thornton on, on, on the other half wall. Uh, I think Evander Kane was on the second unit uh, in 2018-19 for most of that season. Uh, later on, a guy like Gustav Nyquist stepped in. So that's a pretty good second unit still, right? Uh, whereas mm-hmm. this year, uh, your second unit, uh, once you get past, let's say it's Brent Burns on your second unit, what if Carlson and Burns are split. And you might have Timo Meyer, uh, you might have Kevin LeBanc on it, but then you have a couple guys, you know, be it a John Leonard or somebody like that who isn't maybe quite ready for regular power play time on it. So so you had less talent, basically, um, for, for both units. And so that hurt, of course. Uh, the, the the groups this year. Uh, Bob Bugner also brought up that uh, he thought that there was a lack of that front presence, uh, which of course is hilarious uh, if uh, you think about a Joe Pavelski and so and what Joe Pavelski is doing in Dallas. But uh, you know that is uh, that you know the net front guys this year for the Sharks for the most part uh, were Evander Kane and were Ryan Donato, and so. And so kind of speaking to to those guys and maybe not quite enough, uh, you know, tr- you know, uh, uh, traffic in front provided by them or just getting the goalie's eyes, that sort of thing. And so uh, so Bugner mentioned that. And so I think it's just a, a whole lot of things. You know, something else that Bugner said, too, and we saw, too, it's just a lot of execution. You know, how many times did we see, you know, Brent Burns pass to the wall that just totally missed the guy or even Eric Carlson pass, you know, try to go across ice that was too hard or behind the guy. And so just that kind of lack of execution, it kind of speaks to my first point that, you know, maybe these guys have lost a little something. Uh, doesn't mean they're not good players anymore, but maybe they're not quite as great anymore. And so anyway, I think it's a whole combination of things. Um, you know, it isn't, it isn't any one thing, I think. It isn't, it isn't one guy you can bring in, be it a power play coach or a player that will fix it all. 
Yeah, I think that's fair. And uh, thanks for hitting me where it hurts bringing up Pavelski. You know, it's always still a sore spot in my heart. I was a huge Pavelski fan. Uh, I did notice a, a bit of a positive trend the last couple of games. They did put Carlson and Burns back together, but it seems like they switched places where Carlson was taking those one-timers from you know, Ovi's office is what it's called. And uh, I believe their last power play goal was actually how that was scored, was a Carlson one-timer from that side after two previous attempts. So that might be something that they approach you know, going into next season. Obviously, it's going to be heavily approached. Um, there's been rumors of Rocky Thompson possibly leaving and interviewing for a head coaching job. But you know, I feel like the, the more stable they can make the coaching staff with less turnover, the better they're going to be moving forward. So either way, there's not much of a system change. But um, kind of changing the tone on this season, I've highlighted a lot of negatives. It's hard to not to, especially with how they played. But trying to highlight some more positives, are there any notable positives that you can pull from this Shark season that's going to help them next you know, next season and moving forward or maybe even going into the uh, into the off season and you know most notably the one i can think of would be alexander barabanov and being able to acquire him for auntie suomela who just did not fit in with this team anywhere it seemed um but how about from your perspective shang how do, how do you feel like you know if there's anything that you can really pull from this season that's going to be trending in the right direction well, I think obviously a Ferraro and Knizhov. Uh, again, uh, you have uh, two guys uh, making under uh, entry-level contract, um, uh, able to play top four minutes. You, you know, Ferraro especially. I mean, if you look, think about the job that he did this this year, basically being on the shutdown pair with Brent Burns, and neither of them are are really, if you think, are are at first thought or first glance. You know, they your your top two shutdown guys. They basically took up the slack because Vlasic lost a lot of his game this year. You know, Vlasic couldn't even even cut it uh, in, in the middle pair with Eric Carlson, and so uh, both uh, Burns and Fer- uh, Ferraro had to had to make up for that. And sure, they were beat at times, and they didn't look great at times. But considering the kind of uh, the responsibility they were given, and the you know the tough matchups and whatnot, uh, they they did quite well. And so anyway, so Ferraro and Kanijov, uh, those are huge positives um, for the Sharks going forward into next year. Um, Ballsers uh, is uh, is another one that I think will be huge. Uh, just, uh, you know, uh, being uh, that uh, young forward that provided, uh, you know, he was a little inconsistent, but uh, he provided pretty solid kind of top nine-ish minutes. Uh, it'll be interesting to see if he can be a player on a, you know, on a good team. You know, it's different being a top nine player on a bad team. Uh, as opposed to being a top nine player on a good team. Uh, but uh, Balzers has kind of that uh, two-way, 200-foot game that suggests he sh- should be able to do it. You know, they started using Balzers on a PK, too, to end the season. Uh, Balzers also was among the team leaders in terms of uh, blocking shots, so he has a willingness to do that. Uh, and so th- those are all things that bode well with, along with his offensive talents for him to be a, a fixture with the Sharks. And, of course, uh, Barabanov. But Barabanov, of course, though, I think, though, uh, some note of caution there. You know, like the NHL is littered with guys that have these kind of short 10-game, 9-game sample size, 17-game, 15-game, end of the season, and they do well, and then they kind of fall off the face of the earth. Um, I, you know, wrote about an article recently where I projected uh, Balzers and Barabanov's next contract. And... Uh, a couple of the recent examples I could think of guys who come out of nowhere and put together those, uh, 10, uh, 10, 12, you know, the short sample size at the end of the season, Ty Ratty, uh, came to mind. And also to, uh, Martin Frick last year, uh, for the Kings. 
and they both earned uh, about um, you know uh, the next year they earned about the same contract that that uh, Barry Bonhoff earned. Uh, one uh, you know close to the minimum, uh, one year. Frick got a two year one way deals. Uh, but both those guys haven't done much since those kind of. Uh, uh, you know, kind of oasis, uh, kind of seasons, you know, kind of out of nowhere, little like, oh, you know, these guys have a lot, a little bit more than, than we thought they would. Uh, hopefully, Barbona does have it, though. He does look like he has that talent. I, I will say that his points, his production did not look fluky to me uh, this year. So if he can do uh, what uh, what he did, uh, what I saw in the last nine games, then the Sharks are in, in, in great shape and, and will have made a steal of a deal getting him for Suomela. Yeah, I mean, we were all pretty much looking for something to kind of grasp onto as Sharks fans kind of moving into this second half of the season where it seemed inevitable that the Sharks weren't going to make the playoffs and we're pushing for the management team to kind of play the young guys. And in comes in uh, Barbanov and just sweeps us all off of our feet like uh, an episode of The Bachelor. So we're hoping <laughs> if, we, if we give him this rose, you know, going into the offseason, he can solidify himself as a top six forward. Well, can I interject something here, though, Nick, though? Yeah, that yeah. you talk about wanting to play the young guys. But actually, Bird Bonhoff is, is kind of an instructive case of of how uh, it's hard to expect, uh, you know, throwing a 21, 22-year-old, how hard that is uh, for a guy to really be a, a NHL, like, uh, like for sure, like he should be in the lineup every night and deserves big minutes, like top nine minutes. You know, how mm-hmm. hard that is to find uh, because the Sharks – really didn't find that this year except for Balzers in, in that age range, right? I mean, Bert Bonoff is 26. And I know there were a lot of cries to like, oh, got to play Chimileski, got to play Gregor. But when they went in there, you know, they showed flashes, but they also showed reasons why uh, why they weren't in a lineup at a 15-minute-a-night basis. And so it's so hard to 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 – kind of just say oh play that guy and he's he's gonna he, he's going to take that spot he's gonna take that that uh that three c spot i don't know how many times i read you know over the last couple of years and not not to like you know criticize anyone to like uh you know but just people say like oh yeah we can just give chimileski the third line center job no you can't not if you want to make the playoffs you know like let's be serious you know they started the season let's give that the sharks gave no greater the line center job you know how long did that last that lasted exactly three games and and then they're like wow you know like uh sure Gregor has the offensive upside but you know he he's hurting us so much defensively that we need to go with a guy like gambro who has you know minimal offensive upside but at least he's keeping us you know above water and not killing us you know and mm-hmm. so that's how hard it is to find uh you know you know, when you can find these young guys who can just step in there, you know, it's rare. Guys like Ferraro, Kanijov, uh, of course, we're not talking about forwards. Those are defensemen there. But, mm-hmm. uh, but you know, it's really just it's hard to, to, to find that. And so it's just hard to count on that. And uh, the fans and even the Sharks, really, the, 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 the front office the last couple of years has sort of counted on, on these guys to just step in there. And just it just doesn't happen. You know, Barry Bonoff does it, but Barry Bonoff is 26. You know, Balzers does it, and I'll give him credit for finding Balzers. Of course, they drafted him, and they got him back on waivers, uh, and that that worked out. But that's, you know, one out of how many forwards, young forwards the Sharks have tried over the last two years. You know, your Tykin, Bergman, go on and on and on, you know. So, mm-hmm. anyway. Yeah, and I remember we talked earlier in the season about it seemed like Yoel Shellman was essentially staple to that fourth line job because of how much Bugner loved his game. And we saw even him fall off of the roster for, you know, a sizable amount of time. So, you know, there aren't going to be Kevin LeBanks and Joe Pavelski's on this team every year. And 
you know, the last couple of years, like you said, the Sharks have been able to kind of get away. Well, not the last couple of years, but previous years, the Sharks were able to get away with bringing up some no-name guy and plugging them in, and then everything just kind of works out for them. But they're not surrounded by future Hall of Famers anymore in, in Joe Thornton. You know, we had, we saw record seasons from Marcus Sorensen and Kevin LeBanc on that third line with Joe Thornton a couple of years ago, and we're not getting that anymore. And so we, we as fans need to kind of understand that as well. You know, even with Chikovic doing what he did in the KHL, you're not just going to be able to throw him in with people he've never he's never played with before and to be able to produce at that level. So I feel like that sort of expectation is kind of being carried into these situations when they shouldn't be. And it's it's obvious now, uh, looking at these last couple of years, that that's not really a recipe for success moving forward. Um, so I feel like it was just great points you made there. And I know it's not necessarily the news that people like to hear, but that's sometimes the honest to God truth that they have to. Um, kind of shifting our focus into this off season though, we spoke earlier a little bit about what key changes you think the Sharks need to fit into Doug Wilson's kind of make it to the playoffs timeline. And it seems like the biggest thing he wants to do is address uh, the centerman depth. He talked about bringing in a, th- a 3C this offseason, whether it be uh, via trade, via free agency. Uh, you know, there's a number of players who are going to hit the free agent market, and we're going to run into the similar uh, offseason as last season, where there's plenty of serviceable guys out there coming in at historically low contracts because of how the market is, essentially. Uh, what do you think the Sharks are going to essentially have to do moving forward into this offseason to fit into that mold of making it back into the playoffs? Well, it's sort of deja vu this offseason because they need exactly this offseason what they needed last offseason. I didn't get last offseason. <laughs> I mean, you can argue that, uh, uh, you know, they tried with Devin Dubnik uh, in terms of fixing the goaltending. It didn't work. Uh, Devin Dubnik was, you know, okay try at it, right? I mean, Devin Dubnik is a guy with some some bit of a resume, even though he had a, you know, pretty bad 2018-19, uh, pretty bad season before. I'm sorry, 2019-20. Um, but anyway, uh, so they have the exact same problems as last season. So hopefully this season they do address it. And like you said, uh, the, 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 the market is friendly toward that. Um, last offseason they needed a brand new third line. Uh, Doug Wilson said the same thing uh, a year later, uh, <laughs> um, uh, last last week, and so uh, hopefully this time they are serious about it. If they want to put a uh, give the give, give 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 a chance to put a better product out there, and you know it's not even. Um, you know, it, 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 you know, a lot of people say, oh, you got to give the young guys a chance. Well, the young guys have got their chance, right? And, mm-hmm. you know, have they taken it and proven that they are top nine angel players or top four defensemen, right? The defensemen have, I'll give them credit, but the forwards have not. And so uh, hopefully they, they, uh, they, they address these kind of issues, especially in, in the middle six and get guys that, you know, can help. Uh, the, the young guys along and Doug Wilson did say this like you get a veteran center and you put a uh, younger wingers next to him the veteran center will help the younger wingers look better and that's true you know uh, so ho- hopefully that that kind of works out where they get the right uh, veteran or, or two bring him in and and they and those guys can help bring the the younger forwards along and you know I'm not saying the younger forwards don't have talent you we see it Noel Gregor such an obvious talent he can skate he can shoot I'm uh, just using him as an example, you know. Uh, he can skate, he can shoot, he can do very obvious NHL-caliber things. Uh, but there's a lot of kind of detail in his game that, that's missing. And maybe a veteran uh, forward, veteran center next to him can help kind of, uh, uh, you know, mask some of the deficiencies and kind of uh, uh, 
help Gregor's uh, positives really uh, come to to the fore. Yeah, it, it seemed in this offseason, like, if I were to use an analogy with how Doug Wilson kind of approached last offseason, it's like he had really leaky gutters, but decided instead of replacing the gutters, we're just going to throw some flex seal in there and kind of see what happens. And that's the, the trade for Devin Dubnik, in my opinion, like, okay, we had really bad goaltending, but we're just going to try to spot fix this. We're going to spot weld it with Devin Dubnik and see if that works. And the Devin Dubnik, uh, I guess, experiment essentially failed. He was traded off at the deadline. So I, I do feel like you're right. They, they have to approach this a little bit more aggressively this offseason if they really want to fix these problems. And I believe he actually said they were going to, and I quote, explore all avenues to fix the goaltending, which is something that I've been dying to hear personally because, you know, we're not huge fans of Martin Jones's production these last couple seasons, and I don't think any real Sharks fan is at this point. So kind of moving into that sort of direction, do you see any major pieces or even players being moved during the expansion draft or the entry draft, you know, to kind of acquire maybe a different player who fits the mold a little bit better or can be like that veteran centerman? Uh, that you may need on the third line to help along guys like Noah Gregor? And if if so, who do you think is at the top of the list to be moved out? Yeah, you know, it's a, that's, a, that's a tough question because uh, the way Wilson talked, he likes all his guys except for Jones. <laughs> uh, so <laughs> I, I think Jones, uh, Jones, I, I, I would guess, uh, I got to look into the money more, what makes the most sense, but probably a buyout still makes the most sense. Um, I mean, you can keep him, and I think he, Jones can still back up, and I think he'd be fine backup actually. But obviously, at the cost, that's that's really tough, and so probably a buyout is still the best the best thing for Jones. After that, you have a lot of contracts that are really really hard to move. Uh, you know, Vlasic and Carlson, you are not moving. You know, you got to get get that out of your head if that's something that you know, if you're a Sharks fan, you're thinking that's going to happen. I, I don't see any way that that's going to happen. Uh, Burns is movable, but uh, Burns is probably people always talk about moving Burns because Burns is is the most competent player of, of these big these big big contracts you know at least uh, in, the, in the back end defense uh he's the best player uh still even if he's not the brent burns that that we knew and so um i i'm really curious to see because uh on one hand uh doug wilson talks about believing in his core and how good his core is on the other hand he doesn't do much he hasn't done much the last couple of seasons to help his core out which suggests that maybe he doesn't believe in it that much and so, you know, he talks, uh, he's been, he's talked, he's talked a good game about his core. Uh, but I think this offseason, I wonder if this is when he moves from it. And so I think, uh, I'm very curious what they do in Seattle. And if they give, uh, they, they give Seattle a chance to get a guy like Burns to help and now help open up some money, obviously for the Sharks. Uh, but we'll see. I'm not sure. He was very bullish on Burns during his, uh, his exit interview. Uh, then again, though, there's no, uh, reason for, or uh, for Doug Wilson to say anything bad about his players uh, during his exit interview, so or in any kind of uh, public setting. So, but Shane, before we wrap things up, uh, I wanted to highlight how you correctly predicted the Barabanov extension, like we talked about earlier. And uh, afterwards on Twitter, I kind of dubbed you as Shang Stradamus, and everyone really loved that. It seemed to have stuck with people, especially in the Twitterverse. So, uh, Strings, uh, Shang Stradamus, what offseason predictions? bold or otherwise could be just a simple prediction do you have for uh you know all the sharks fans listening in right now well i'm wrong a lot uh, i thought the 2019 sharks would win the stanley cup uh, i thought the 2020 sharks would make the playoffs 
Um, I think one prediction she'll have me uh, saying that this Sharks team would make the playoffs, but I, I'll say I didn't really believe it, though. So I think it depends on what, what she'll ask me that question. I had a different answer. So um, so I'm not, I'm not going to take too much flack for that one. But anyway, I'm wrong a lot. Uh, but my poll prediction is that the Sharks will find a safe percentage above 90% next year. So, <laughs> which is not very bold, but actually with this team, it is. That's actually, was doing prediction. some math here. Uh, and this, this, is, this is funny. Like they said, the Sharks ended this season with uh, 896 save percentage. That's all their goalies, right? Yeah. If the Sharks had just had a 91.5 save percentage, which is, you know, I think it's a little above league, league average these days. That's not like great. That's not going to win you a Vezina, but that's good, uh, good goaltending, you know, uh, 91.5. Uh, they would have given up 33 less goals, so mm. that's that's a lot of goals. <laughs> that is a lot of goals. That's that's a great stat. Honestly, I wish I wish I knew where to get that kind of stat because that's something that that really puts into like the gravity of the situation, how big of a change it is from 896 to 915. Yeah, right. Um, it doesn't sound like a lot, right? But yeah, it's a lot. <laughs> yeah, just like portions of a percentile can be the difference between not making the playoffs and making the playoffs. So like, uh, you know, Chris Dreger, please sign him in the off season. <laughs> something. <laughs> um, but uh, who wins the cup, Shane? Come on. I know you got something in the way. I know you have a, you did a playoff bracket, I'm assuming. Oh yeah, but those things. I I I mean, the the, the uh, other uh, my colleagues at National Hockey now asked me to do it. I spend like five minutes on it. There you go. <laughs> and I think I think all my predictions were wrong so far because I think I predicted uh, uh, Boston will win the series. They lost game one. I predicted Pittsburgh will win the series. They lost game one. I picked Vegas to win their series. They lost game one. So you know, I think I I picked Tampa Bay, and they were losing when I last checked. So I'm not sure if they uh, if they've turned it around today so far. But anyway, though, um, uh, I so I'm picking Colorado, which means that they they probably will lose. So. Uh, you should pick Vegas. So that way, all of Sharks territory loves you, but they don't win the Stanley Cup. <laughs> oh, <laughs> well, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks again, Chang, uh, for again for everything that you do, not only for us here at the Stick Hungry Podcast, but for all of Sharks territory out there. You you had amazing coverage of the Sharks uh, this season, even during this pandemic. You know, going down to Arizona and roughing it out down there, and then traveling from place to place. We, you know, I think I speak for everyone when I say, you know, thank you for all the amazing coverage you've had so far this year and if you haven't subscribed to san jose hockey now i don't know what you're doing at this point if you're a sharks fan if you're listening in right now and you haven't subscribed to san jose hockey now i want you to dm me and give me five reasons why and i will give you 10 reasons more why you should be subscribing um so go ahead shang tell the folks where to find you on social media as well as maybe some work you have coming down the wire coming into this off season Sure, yeah. Uh, so you can find me at Chang underscore Peng. Um, find me at San Jose Hockey Now, of course. Uh, and um, I will be actually traveling a little bit more yet. Uh, the Barracuda are playing down in Irvine tomorrow. And I haven't seen the Barracuda a lot this season. And so I'm going to check them out. Actually, they're playing on Tuesday. They're playing at a play-in tournament uh, to see if they make the AHL playoffs <laughs> or AHL divisional playoffs or whatever they have going on there. Uh, no, I, I know what they have. So what they have going on there, if, if, if uh, you guys don't know, is that only the Pacific Division, uh, they're having a, a playoff tournament. And uh, the, the top three teams uh, are already in the, the playoffs, the, the, the Pacific Division playoffs. Uh, seeds number four through seven, the Barracuda are, are, are in that group. Seeds four through seven are playing a play-in tournament in Irvine to see if they can join the top three in, in, a, in, a, in a tournament playoff format. 
Um, and so anyway, so I'm gonna I'm gonna check that out. So I'm still still doing some traveling here, and so yeah, uh, please uh, uh, ch- check out my work at San Jose Hockey Now. And Nick, uh, thank you again, and thank you for the kind words. Of course, man. And I'm assuming Brian should be going with you, right? No, no. This this one I, oh. I'm uh, I'm doing solo right here. So. Yeah. Gotcha. Um, gotcha. <laughs> if you want to check out any of the previous year's uh, San Jose Barracuda coverage on San Jose Hockey Now, Brian Trong is another great follow on Twitter. It's at underscore Brian Trong. That's T-R-U-O-N-G. Make sure you drop him a follow as well. He posts great highlights of, you know, even current NHL playoff games that are going on from what I've seen. So give everyone over at San Jose Hockey Now a follow. And, of course, thank you for every, every thank you everyone for tuning in this week. Be sure to drop Shang a follow on Twitter for all your Sharks coverage this offseason. I'm assuming he's going to highlight, you know, trades maybe, especially during around entry draft and expansion draft time. And uh, this is Nick Floor signing off, asking you all to stay safe, drink your water, and have a great rest of your day. All right, big shout out to Shang Pang for jumping on this episode of the Stick Hungry Podcast. Now I think it's time for tea time. Good morning, asshole, and welcome to f-ing tea time with producer T. All right, folks, tea time once again. Producer Pigeon is getting up his questions. Pigeon, uh, out of ten, how how are the questions today? Uh, they're. Pretty good. We've already got some people on uh, on Twitter chiming in as well. I don't know. To be honest, this one should be easy for producer T because I I got them from a children's website. So. There you oh, go. God. Pretty good out of ten, so that's not bad. Um, oh, all right, let's uh, let's let's hear the first one. All right, uh, tea time. Best segment on Stick Hungry Podcast. How can you spell cold with two letters? Um, letters can't be numbers either. Um, I mean, like, I'll, I'll take brr, a shot at this. BR? Yeah, I was going to say BR. Nick said BR. I mean, that that's totally acceptable. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll just say that's acceptable. Well, what was the answer? I see. I see. Oh, okay. <laughs> nice, nice. All right, next one. <laughs> what state is surrounded by the most water? Oh, this one's easy. This one's so easy. Which it? state is surrounded by the most water? Both Nick and your boy SV who are chiming in got that one, this one yes. wrong as well. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, I, maybe I I'll get this one it. wrong. No, I don't think so. All right. What Should I say state? my answer? Yeah. Uh, okay, so my answer is Hawaii. That is uh, correct. Okay. Um, Alaska and Nick wrote in liquid do not count. <laughs> the liquid state. <laughs> and this, this next one threw, like, Nick's brain into a pretzel. Uh, you're like, what the fuck? Uh... <laughs> it has a head, tail, is brown, no legs, and was discontinued. Oh, a penny. Yeah, that's good. I added the Not discontinued bad. in because I didn't think you'd get right, it without right. it. <laughs> I didn't know where you're going with that, so yeah. that's good. That's good. <laughs> what starts with a P and ends with an E and has a million letters in it? Hmm. Uh, has a million letters in it. Yeah. Maybe a little less, but, you know. <laughs> okay. Quite a few letters in it. Um, well, starts not, with a P and ends with an E. Millions uh, of letters, so many letters, not enough letters. A page? No, a post office. Uh, a postman. Okay. Okay. Um, okay. It has four wheels and flies. Well, an airplane. <laughs> no. Four wheels. Because that means some airplanes yeah, do have, have four wheels. wheels. Most of the time, they got three. Sure. Okay. Yeah. Four. I don't know. 
Flying car. Yeah, flying car. I know, Shane said the DeLorean from Back to the Future. Yeah. Uh, it's a garbage truck. So many flies, boys. Like in the office oh, in the summer. So many but flies. But it doesn't fly. Yeah. It has four wheels and flies. Okay, okay. Oh, right. Don't right. question me. Yeah. Okay. There you go. <laughs> there you go. That's tea that time. There you go. Time. There that's you go. tea time. And I think that's pretty much the episode. Again, big shout out to Shane for jumping on. This one next week, we'll have a more of a recap of the season for the San Jose Sharks, like we said. Yeah. Uh, let's give a last shout out to our Twitter handles. You can find myself at DYL underscore THPN. You can follow the show at Stick Hungry Pod, and you can follow the network at HockeyPodNet. Producer T. You can follow myself at Producer underscore TEE. And Producer Pigeon. Producer underscore Pigeon. There you go, folks. We will catch you next Sunday.